Hi, this is Des, and you're listening to Delving with Des podcast. Hi, you're with Delving with Des, and of course, this is Des, and we are delighted to have with us today Christy Hawkins. And Christy is, amongst other things, a Lifeline volunteer, and it's amazing. You know, we all know Lifeline, and we all say, you know, ring Lifeline. And so, welcome, Christy, to Delving with Des. Oh, thanks, Des. Thanks for having me. It's uh, exciting. I've never done th- anything uh, like this. Oh, that's all. We all should do new things. It's actually, believe it or not, it's new for me, too. Excellent. Yeah, so we're, we're breaking new ground here together. <laughs> so, that's really good. So, I just thought we would, uh, first of all, get to know Christy a bit better and let, let us know where she comes from, what her background is, and how she's ended up in Port Macquarie. Yeah. A story of some forty something years, and you don't look that old. I know, yeah. no, it is. <laughs> <laughs> um, I was born in Gosford, and oh. yeah, we. I was born in Gosford. My mum and dad lived there for a little bit. They separated quite early on in my life, so mm. I don't actually know them to ever be together. Ah. But I was very fortunate that. When my parents moved away from Gosford into, I think it was Granville somewhere that way, Western oh. Sydney, that they always lived very close to each other oh, and right. always interacted. So that was great for me. Yes, yes. So then as growing up, five years old, mum bought a house that dad found for her and then dad bought a house at the bottom of the street. So most of my schooling life, I had my parents in the same street. Just in different houses. Just different houses, which was wow. great. A bit spoiled because if you couldn't get it from one, you just yeah. go down the street and <laughs> get course. it from the other. <laughs> of course. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, yeah, then as teenage years I um, stayed in Sydney. But my grandparents are from – well, they're from Sydney, but they moved to Warhope in 67. Ah, hence a connection to hence, Port Macquarie. yes. Oh, cool. So then my mum was coming here most of her life as well because Nan and Granddad were up here. And they actually bought a business up here and it was a funeral business and it was a well-known funeral business in Warhope. Oh, right. And obviously served a lot of the community for many years. The dead centre of town. The dead centre of... (laughs) And it is in the dead centre of town. (laughs) (laughs) Funny enough. And um, so as a child, I'd come to Warhope for my school holidays. Yeah, yeah. And sometimes I'd have to go into the very cold room. Oh, Oh, how did you find that as a child? I didn't know. Well, I knew, but I didn't conceptually understand anything wrong or weird or whatever you might call it. So for me, it was just part and parcel of Nan and Granddad's house. They had the business. People would come in and out all the time. There was a lot of sadness. There was a lot of joy. I was constantly at cemeteries with my grandfather because he'd be putting the headstones on or fixing flowers I was constantly at funerals. Wow, wow. Which now I look back and I'm... Well, that's pretty unique. It's, yeah. Yeah. But yeah. at the time, you don't know any better. I guess. You have no what idea. Is, what age would you have been at this stage? Oh, from the moment I was born. Oh, right, okay. I, re- right. I have memories of being five years old, or probably even younger, dressed up, because Nan had dressed me up. She was an amazing seamstress. Right. And sitting in the back of a church somewhere, watching a funeral. Wow. Yeah. And actually, I also recall going to the churches all the time because Grandad would be um, talking to the ministers about the upcoming funeral. 
Oh, right. Yeah. There's not many people would have that sort of childhood. No, 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 not at all. So do you think that impacted you in any way or is it just sort of life is normal for you? Life is normal. Yeah. Yeah, However, yeah, yeah. I did have some friends as a, you know, 10, 8, 9, 10-year-old who would come on holidays with me to Warhope. Right. And their parents would say, now, don't get scared. Oh. And I'd think, what are they talking? Why are they telling my friend not to get scared? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because they had already pre-positioned a young mind for yeah. something scary about a funeral home. Sure, sure. But I could never understand it, but anyway. And then... So I've been coming to Port Macquarie my whole life. Nan and Granddad at Warhope, we would come to the beach. Yes. And all the wonderful old things, Peppermint Park, Fantasy Glades, the the porpoise pools, which you probably don't know about, no, Des, but no, look it up. It's amazing. Um, and then I stayed in Sydney. I had an amazing career in banking, which was great fun. And, you know, life goes on. Yeah. All of a sudden you've been in one company for 15 years. Wow. Think, wow, gosh. And that company was amazing and gave me 12 months long service leave. Right. And so what age would you have been at this stage? Uh, well, it was only 2018. Oh, okay. Not so that long ago. Yeah, not yeah. that long ago. Yeah. And, you know, a few relationships in between. Sure. Um, and I remember my boss saying to me, can you just hurry up and go and find yourself and come back, please? Oh. Oh, right. <laughs> Here, have 12 months. Go find yourself. Whatever you got to do, just get back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I came back after my 12 he, months. Do you think he asked you that on the basis that he he was unsure about you, he was unsure about how you felt about yourself or was it just one of those flippant comments? Uh, oh, that's a good question. I actually haven't thought about it. I just think it's so funny that he, he used to – oh, what did he call I can't remember, but he had this funny nickname for me and I just thought it was lovely. yeah. Yeah. That they wanted me back, yes. but they were happy to let me go off and do some stuff, which was yes. fantastic. Yes. So I came back a bit what, earlier. What did you do in your time off? Well, firstly, I sold my first investment property that I ever bought, which was in Warhope, oh, across the road from my grandparents' house. <laughs> Understandably. <laughs> and I thought, right, I'm going to travel overseas extensively. Sure. Yeah. But let's go back to when I was 21. When I was 21, I lived in Ireland for two years. Wow. That explains how <laughs> wonderful a person you are. I thought you'd like that, Des. <laughs> Not the north, the south, That's but it okay. was fantastic. Yeah. And in that time in Ireland, I didn't travel anywhere. The whole idea, you know, mm. 21, go travel the world, base yeah. yourself somewhere, get the working visa. No, I didn't. I learnt to drink. Oh, beer. as you do. That's big I learned Ireland. to drink beer. Yeah. <laughs> and I didn't go anywhere apart from the different pubs that I ran and restaurants and things. But it was great fun. I loved yeah, it. Yeah. So get to 2018, I thought, you need to travel. So yeah. I sold a property, thought, I don't want any financial issues. Let's mm -hmm. just go. So the first place was Port Macquarie for six weeks. Oh, <laughs> How did that come about? Well, I wanted to spend some time with my mum. She moved up here about 20 years ago to take over her parents' business, my grandparents, because oh, right. they were getting a bit old. It was too old to be running funerals. Sure, sure. And so she came up to look after them and I said, oh, it'd be lovely to come spend some time with mum, but not stay with mum, stay yeah. somewhere else. Yeah. So I rented a little place in Port for six weeks and thought, wow, Port's really changed. Yeah. Really changed from what I remember as a little sure, girl. sure. You know, because yeah, yeah. the last thing I ever thought was, 
I ain't living in Port Macquarie. I'm from Sydney. Yeah. You know, you just, it's a holiday place. Yeah, that's right. It's God's waiting Touristy room. Place, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> so I, um, so I came up, did my six weeks and then decided that I would like to do yoga twice a day. And I'd like to develop a physical practice of my own where I look after my body and I move my body the way it's meant to be moved. Right. So I found a place to go and do that. And I love how naive I am because it just walks me into so many things that yeah. had I have known, I probably wouldn't have gone. Yes, exactly. <laughs> anyway, I found this place and it was a Hare Krishna oh. place and I had no idea. They just sent me a thing saying, uh, you, you must be vegan, you can't have this, you've got to be here for six weeks, we're going to do yoga every day, we're going to do this, we're going to do that, we're going to feed you, put a roof over your head. You're expected to also help out and, you know, volunteer in different things because they've got a beautiful garden, they're all self-sufficient there up at Mwollomba. I think, great, it's fantastic, play around in the garden, get fed, do some yoga. And little did I know, it was probably the beginning of a spiritual journey. Wow. Wow, that's really interesting. We're talking with uh, <laughs> with Christy Hawkins. A really interesting conversation. We're going to take a short break and we'll be back shortly. You're listening to Delving with Des. Hi, this is Delving with Des and we're back with Christy Hawkins who is a Lifeline volunteer and we're going to get to Lifeline <laughs> hopefully in the next uh, you know, 40 minutes or so. <laughs> Absolutely. So t- you were talking about the fact that you spent six weeks in Port Macquarie and, and uh, rediscovering Port Macquarie, I guess. Yes. What happened next in your world? Well, then I found the, the yoga teacher training and I signed up for that, oblivious mm-hmm. of what I was getting myself into. It was fantastic. It was probably the uh, not the very beginning, but uh, the beginning of a real spiritual journey for me of finding mm-hmm. my faith and just exploring so many different things that I had no idea about. So you, you, you were in Hare Krishna world. I was. And then all of a sudden you, are not all of a sudden, but eventually you came into the Christian world. Mm-hmm. So how did that journey happen? Yeah, uh, sometimes I look back now and I think, how did that happen? Right. God's divine timing, but yes. I loved the experience of the yoga, especially from the physical aspect of the yeah. body. But there was a component up there at the at the Hare Krishna at the temple that did perplex me in a few different ways, sure. philosophy wise. But there was a lot of it that was very interesting. And of course, by this stage, I still hadn't read the Bible, so what did right. I have in comparison? Yes, well, no that's idea. right. Nothing to base no anything faith on. That's yeah. true. Yeah. So that was fun. So then I finish that. I'm still on my 12 months annual leave. I go to Bali, which I never had any desire to go to, but it was a ladies' retreat and I thought, oh, whatever, let's go. Did that, came home on the phone to mum one night and say, hey, you know there's this property for sale in Port Macquarie and it was in the same block that I rented for my first six weeks little stint. Oh, right, okay. And she says, oh, I'll go and have a look. I say, no, 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 I'm not buying property this year. This is about holiday, travel, fun. Okay. Of course, I bought the property. All right. <laughs> that halted my annual, my, my long service attempt at world travel. Yes. Because all the money then had to go to that. Yeah. And then I, yeah, I went back to work early because now I needed more finance. So I went back to work early, which work was delighted. And after not being at work for about, I had about nine months off. Okay. And I remember the first day going back, 
the neon lights, the office, the computers. It was just, oh, it was bedlam. And it was beautiful, but it was yeah. still, you know, it's not what I wanted. And they gave me a promotion after my first six weeks back, which was mm. for the ego, it was a wonderful promotion sure. for the sure. finances, for the accolades. And my boss at the time, he was wonderful. We had a little walking meeting that we always did on a Friday afternoon. He said, hey, I've got some great news, blah, 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 promotion, yours first dibs before we put it out. Come back on Monday, let me know. Right. So on Monday, came in, did the walking meeting. He said, right, you know, we've got bets on this. Because I'd been there for nearly 15 years yeah, at that point yeah, and had great time, loved it. And um, he said, you know, we've got bets, you're going to either take it or you're just going to stay in the role that you're in, which was amazing, that role. And I said, I resign. Wow. And he was floored. And yes. I was floored as well. I thought, wow, I really said it. I actually yeah. said it. I'm wow. doing it. I said, I'll stay and finish this project because I was in project management. Um, but after that, I'm out. Wow. And he said, what are you going to do? I said, I don't know, yeah. but I'm not doing this. Well, what was the, the, the driver for making that decision? Because obviously the people around you thought you would stay where you were or you would take a new job. Yeah. Uh, but you went left field and resigned, not mm -hmm. having anything else planned. Mm -hmm. What was the driver for that, do you think? I think some of it was to prove that you can handle risk because yeah. I'd already bought the new property, mm. but we had a delayed settlement, which was fantastic because I needed to sell a property in Sydney ah. to make this financially comfortable. I could have yeah. done it without it, but I didn't want that stress. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. I thought, you know what? You don't grow if you don't have a go. Yeah, that's a good line. And yeah. you could stay in this job and earn the money and have the accolades Monday to Friday, holidays, blah, blah, blah. But yeah. what are you learning? What yes. are you, how are you growing? Yeah. And I grew more in those nine months of not being at work and learning who I was, stepping into doing things so naively, which was beautifully orchestrated because I really learnt a lot in those moments. And I sure. thought... Keep taking bigger, not bigger risks, but risks that are going to get a different life outcome. Wow. And you certainly have done that. I have. I did. <laughs> so, I did. So talk about the steps you've gone through from that point right through to we decided to join Lifeline. So that was, I'd always been one of those people that wanted to volunteer and do so. I wanted right. to have volunteering in my life. And with the company that I was with, they had a volunteer program, which was great. But you could only do it little yeah, bits. Yeah. You, know, you mean as opposed to making coffee? <laughs> well, there's that as well. <laughs> <laughs> so I should say that Christy is well-renowned as a barista at church. Yes, yes. <laughs> and that was because my mum had a coffee shop when I was young. Oh, right, okay. And so it was slave labour from the age of like 13. Every weekend, but you learned coffees. how to make a good coffee. Learned a lot about coffee. Yeah. Good, good. So I, um, <clears throat> yeah. So I left the job and then had this property up here in Port Macquarie as an investment property, and dare we say the c word, the COVID word. Yes. Came. Yes. And I was living in Sydney, which became very restrictive uh, and oh, boring. Right. And yes. I thought, what are you doing down here? You don't need. And I wasn't working at this time. I decided yeah. to study remedial massage, and. Um, study life coaching. Right. So I was doing those simultaneously <clears throat> and in that time I found church and church people 
Who are these yeah. weird people? <laughs> they seem to have fun and we go out and eat a lot, so that was great. <laughs> and we go to someone's house and we have this beautiful meal and we talk about this book called The Bible. That was hilarious. <laughs> it was great. I loved it. It was right, so much good. fun. So I had that little community in Sydney mm-hmm. in 2019 and then COVID 2020, my mum lives up here yeah. and I thought I'm just going to go and live with mum for a while and get yeah, out yeah. of Sydney. Yeah. Because she's on property and it's nice and at least we can just not have to deal with it. Yes. And she had some medical stuff that needed a bit more support and I was at that time in my life where I wasn't working, I wasn't committed. Yes. I could do that. And then as soon as I got here, I thought, oh, my gosh, I can volunteer in something. What can I do? Yeah. So, of course, I was volunteering at church. Yes. Yes. Which I loved. That was great. It was something I loved. And you did it very well. Thank you, (laughs) Des. And then I thought, what else can I do? Yeah. And Lifeline, because Lifeline in Mid-North Coast, we have an office up here. Yeah. And so I contacted the trainers there and thought, looked into it, did my little interview, did the intake, did the training. And it has been an amazing learning. Again, a bit naive. What am I getting? I just want to volunteer. I'd always want to make volunteering part of my life. And now <laughs> I haven't volunteered for the last two weeks because I've been off studying. Sure. I feel a little bit empty or not, not yeah, quite yeah. whole. And it becomes yeah. part of your life that you have to do it. Yeah. Talk about the, um, just as we go to break again, about what the training entails. What is it? Wow. Well, the training, the training is the best. I've done so many trainings in my life and this one hands down. Just as a personal thing, but as the delivery for a crisis supporter on the Lifeline crisis cause, it's comprehensive, it's human, Mm. it's respectful, it's ongoing support. It's six weeks up front. Oh, right, okay. Is it ten weeks? I think it's six weeks up front. And constant further support and education. And you need that too. Because there's always different circumstances and different things you need to be across. Yeah. Wow. So, so how did, did you feel yourself changing during that process? Because I imagine you would. Absolutely. Yeah. Talk about that a little bit. Yeah, as I said, the training is so human. On a level of humanity that we probably don't give ourselves All right. on a day-to-day basis, mm-hmm. let alone deliver that level of humanity to someone that we don't know, yes. we can't see, and that we're never going to see again. Yes. Or, or speak to again. You know, yes. you don't even see them. You're on the phone. And so it taught a lot of self-inquiry. Okay. Because, okay. you know, you're going to hear things and be a part of conversations that are upsetting, difficult, difficult. Yeah. confusing. You know, yeah. every realm of the human experience, you'll find it at Lifeline. Yes, yes, for sure. And it's not about me and yeah. what I'm going through listening to someone's thing. You know, that person's called in a moment in crisis. Yeah. So you need to be able to manage in a humane way your own for sure emotions as well as truly support what that person's going through and yeah. not judge. Yes, no, exactly. We're going to take a short break. We're talking with uh, Christy Hawkins and we're talking about Lifeline and we'll come back and talk about what that actually means actually respond to somebody. We'll be back shortly. You're listening to Delving with Des. 
You're back with Delving with Des and we're with Christy Hawkins and uh, Christy is a Lifeline volunteer. Uh, welcome back, Christy. Thank you, Des. Uh, so good. So we talked just before the break about the training that you received in Lifeline and what that looked like. Uh, talk a little bit about what what impact that had on you, just going through that training, because that's such, such a deep, um, invasive, in a way, mm-hmm. training um, that really would ask, would really get you to question yourself and your values and all those things. Talk yeah. to us about that. So firstly, the training is, it's, it's often something people have never experienced because yeah. as you just said, you, you have to do a fair bit of self-inquiry. Mm. And I remember one of the sessions was really teaching us about how our unconscious bias, which are just ways of judging and not yeah. even realising how we're comparing and judging, how it was really confronting. Wow. Because you would get little snippets of, okay, here's a situation or here's a scenario. What what do you think? Yeah. Where yeah. does that thinking come from? Yeah. Wow. Is it true? Yes. You know, I might see... Des Kennedy for the first time sitting here in this studio and my brain makes up a whole lot of judgments based on my life experience, my cultural, my societal information. Yeah. But half or more than half is not true. Yes. Yes, because circumstances are different for each individual, right? Absolutely. So really having a long, hard look at yourself and thinking, wow, how regularly... In life, yeah. do we do that? You know, I could easily walk past someone in the street and judge them on their age, their clothing choices, yeah. their hair, all sorts of things. Tattoos. Tattoos, yeah. piercings, yeah. you know, a s- car choice. Car choice alone has a fair bit of judgment attached yes, to yes, it, you know. Yes. <laughs> yes. I, sh- I should say a lot Ferrari, really. <laughs> People are BMW people, some people are Mercedes, yeah, some people just yeah. like Toyota Corolla, whatever. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> but what does that actually say about them? Yes. Nothing. Yeah, exactly. And exactly. and then so when you're then when you have that level of awareness of how our unconscious ways of determining what something means or yeah. what a person or a situation means, I mean, I could hear two people talking at a higher volume than what I would talk and I get a little bit uncomfortable because I think that they're yelling and I have to rein that in and go, well, no, actually, look at the Spanish, look at the Italian. They speak at a much higher volume. Are they arguing? No. It's interesting about cars. I just refer to that again. Um, And you you have two people who've got the same car and their view of their world around that car is like, diametrically opposed. Mm-hmm. One says, it's, it's just something that I need to get from A to B. And the other says, wow, I love this car. It's part of my identity. So it's Absolutely. just, so even though they've got the same car, their perspective of that car and how it influences their world is different. Yeah. yeah. And that's exactly what happens with a call on Lifeline. So the training really gives you the most robust way of putting your... Yeah. Stuff yeah. aside, right? That's key, not because there's yeah. something wrong with you. No, 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 and not because your views are wrong or anything like that. Just so that you can actually hold space for someone, because once yeah. your brain wants to go into, oh, 
why did they say that? This is happening. They said this. You know, you're trying to put together yeah. a story that's not true and it's only yeah. based on your knowledge. Yes. And, and, and I guess when somebody phones in, they're in crisis for one reason or another and you very quickly have to paint an internal picture of what, where that person is, what their trauma is, you know, whatever that looks like. And, and what they tell you may not be where their trauma is. You know, there's all, there's all that sort of world. Talk, talk and about it's that. exactly that. So yeah. in the training, that's exactly what we're taught to distance ourselves from. As soon right. as the brain kicks in and says, oh, I'm painting the picture, I'm painting the story, I'm visualising where they are, then you say to yourself, stop it because I'm not hearing what they're truly saying. I'm hearing it through my filter, yeah. through my yeah. lens. So the challenge to drop that the moment that you walk into your shift you would think it's challenging but the training is so good that they yeah. give you so many tools and real life examples and role players on how to do that and how to sit in your own space yeah. to allow them to have space and as you just said you could have a caller and the first thing that they say sounds I don't know maybe it's oh is this really a crisis or you just need a chat yeah okay and then as the human interaction exchanges, you know, because we're always testing people to sure. see, can I trust this person with this information? Yeah. Am I going to be judged? Yes. Am I safe yes. here? Yes. So there's little exchanges that take place yes. and that trust starts to build and then all of a sudden... Yes, you, you get the full, a better picture. Correct. Yeah. You get a, more, a, a bigger insight into the depth of that person's crisis today. And what would be a crisis for one person in the same circumstances, it wouldn't necessarily be a crisis for somebody else. So it's not situational in that regard. It's absolutely deep into the person, um, how they're feeling and what their emotions are at that mm. time, right? Absolutely. And you just reminded me of my first shift on wow. my own uh, oh, as, wow. a, as a crisis supporter. Yeah. And it was Australia Day. Ah, it was Australia okay. Day 2021. I did my training in 2020 and I had not seen the news. I oh. didn't know and I don't watch the news, which sometimes really undoes me at Lifeline because I'm a bit <laughs> vague to what's going on out uh, there in the world sometimes, you know, big right. headlines, especially Australia Day. So whichever Australia Day it was that the Australian of the Year or Young Australian of the Year it was a lady and I, I still don't know the... Um, I still don't know the full context of it all. But the caller started with that story of Australian of the Year. Oh, right. And I had no idea of context about uh, why this would maybe yeah. create un a unrest. Tra trauma. Yeah, yeah, like whatever was yeah. coming. So my brain was trying to go into brain mode of, oh, my gosh, should I look up the internet? And then I thought, no, because it doesn't matter. Mm. This yeah. is a real moment for this person and yeah. that thing has brought it to the surface and here they are today and they've reached out and they want to be heard. Yeah. yeah. What I know about the situation has no bearing yeah. on how I provide a place for this person to share their pain or yeah. their feelings on that particular thing. Do you find that um, just the opportunity to talk about people's world often resolves the, the the situation. Just the fact that somebody's there to listen, somebody who's 
shows empathies, understanding, mm-hmm. certainly doesn't know the full situation, but, but that alone is really a good thing. It's key. It's, yeah. it's absolute key to the human connection. So take away all of our stuff. You're from Ireland, I'm not. Yeah. You know, all these little things that make up who we are or our experiences, yeah. take away all that and just be human and just simply say, gosh, that sounds difficult. Yeah. Or I can hear how distressing this is for you today. Yeah. You know, to, to hear that on the receiving side, you are so, oh, seen, heard. Yeah. It's like it speaks directly to someone's heart that often is quite guarded. And there's, a, there's just this humanity that kicks in. How do you draw the line between showing that sort of empathy and being seen as condescending in a way? Let's just take a quick mm. break and we'll be back with that in a few moments. You're listening to Delving with Des. We're back with Delving with Des and we have Christy Hawkins with us, who is a Lifeline volunteer. Thank you, Christy. I'm glad you're here. Thanks, Des. So we're just talking about, you know, somebody who phones into the Lifeline and we're and asked the question, posed you the question just before the break. Where is the line between listening, deep listening to somebody and saying something like, I can really understand what you're going through and being condescending? It's such a nuance, but we know it. Oh, yeah, okay. Is you that know, something you're taught? Absolutely. Okay. And there's so many learned behaviours that we can have or learned skills yes. that you can do. And obviously this skill gets better over time. Yeah. But the reason it gets better is because if your intention is to really care, and, you know, I've said to people, I cannot, you know, their story has been so far from my understanding or my life experience, whatever that may be, that I'm so honest and I would respond with, I actually don't know what to say, but I hear you. I hear that you needed to call and I'm so glad you did. Wow, wow. Because what else, you know, some things <laughs> yeah. are so far beyond my life experience. Sure, sure. I'm not going to go, oh, wow, oh, gosh, that's terrible. Well, of course it's terrible. Yeah, yeah, well, that's obvious. There's something new in that message. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, <laughs> you know, it's that, and that's why I use that word, it's, it's humane. Yes. There is a level of humanity that goes far beyond what we often experience as humanity. Yeah. So what are, having done this for a while now, what are the, and we had a conversation off air about this as well, what are the triggers that most people, where most people would phone Lifeline? Is there such a thing? No, and I remember thinking that it would be suicide all the time. Yeah, yeah. And... Some shifts are very much that theme. Yes. However, other shifts, loneliness. Yeah. Now, what does that lead to in someone's life? I don't know. Yeah. And is there a measure of depth? I don't know. Mm. But what we know is that when people have a place that they can pick up and know that someone, a human, a real human is going to be on the other end of that Mm. phone and that device, that just brings a level of connection and peace and and being heard 
that seems to dissolve in the moment. Yeah. You know, it doesn't fix their world. Sure. But in that moment of distress, crisis, last, you know, wit's end. Yes. It seems to dissolve something. Yes. Yes. And, and the power in that is just incredible. I mean, as you know, I do the Momentum Show, which is all about helping men. And we have our care line, which is one eight hundred triple zero men which is really cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it, it doesn't provide the same service that Lifeline does because of the level of training and skills that Lifeline give to you as a, as a Lifeline person, mm-hmm. volunteer. Um, and so that, that's a, a whole different dimension uh, than Caroline would be. You know, in fact, people in Momentum Caroline would refer people to Lifeline, right? And and that's why all the TV channels, when they do something sensitive, go to Lifeline if you're struggling. And it's and that's the right answer mm. because you guys have got the skills and the training and the experience to 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 talk to people through their journey or mm. their situation or whatever. So so I mean, I, I'm I'm even hesitant to ask the question, but what's worse sort of um, calls that you can get in Lifeline? What's the the hardest to deal with? When I first started Lifeline, I used to ask myself that the same question. I I would Mm. have my shift, you know, it might be Friday night and all day Friday I'd get a little bit nervous, (laughs) a little bit anxious. Mind you, I was quite early on and I would think, gosh, what am I going to do if? What am I going to do if? What am I going to do if? And the, the fantastic thing is you do not deviate from the training whatsoever, no matter the situation. Yeah. And the, yeah. the, the training has an acronym and it's called CARE. Yes. And yeah, that I, model, I, I use it in day-to-day practice and day-to-day sure. you know, things, even with myself. If I'm having a bit of a moment with myself, I think, okay, hang on, where are we in the CARE model here? Yeah, you yeah. know, are you really... So what does it stand for? What's the CARE Okay, model? so CARE is the C is connect. Yeah. Be above anything. Yeah. If we don't have connection... Yeah. We've got nothing. Exactly. No trust, no nothing. Yeah. So care, attend to needs is the A. Wow. So what is that person's immediate need? Yes. To rant and rave about a situation and to be heard by another human? Mm. Go for your life. Yeah. To cry their heart out? Just attend to that. Yes. I don't need to know where they are and give them a tissue. Just hear that. Yes. And then the R is to reaffirm. Wow. Okay. You know, and reaffirming someone. Yeah. Yes. Is just magical. Yes, of course. And then E is to empower. Yeah, good. I However, like let me just say, <laughs> very rarely do we get to R and E. Uh, okay. Because no matter what the crisis, we're always in connect and attend to needs. Yeah. Connect and attend to needs. And, and it's wonderful sometimes if you can get to reaffirm because people start to come up with their own answers. I yes. don't have the answers yes. for their situation. And yes. that's incredibly important as a crisis supporter because I am not the solution. Yes. I don't have this. Lifeline doesn't have the solution. Mm. We can um, suggest some other avenues and give you numbers and things like that. Yeah. And if you need to be empowered or you're at that stage where you've, you've sort of worked through your own problem, in the space with another human being, the humanity component, yeah. just empowering them back and saying, wow, you picked up the phone today, yeah. you talked it through, you answered your own question, you've now got some resources and you're feeling able to take the next step. Wow. 
I mean, that's amazing. So people who are listening to this show who may, you, you may have tugged a few uh, interesting points for them mm. in terms of, you know, either, either they need to phone the lifeline, <laughs> one option, and secondly, people who, you know, see an opportunity to sow into the community by becoming a volunteer with Lifeline. What would you say to both of those groups of people? Firstly, I'm going to speak to people that want to sow into community. The reason I chose Lifeline, yeah. it's non-denomination. Well, it's 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 for everybody. There's mm. no rules yeah. whatsoever yeah. about who can come to that and it's anonymous. And yes. there's something really beautiful about the anonymity aspect of it for people. So that was why I chose that and because of their comprehensive training yes, and ongoing great. support, not just mm. here's your training, off your total uh, deal with it later, like constant. Yeah. So yeah. that component for me was really great. And that we have an office here in the Mid-North Coast. Sure. So there's a place that I can go within this volunteer community and be a part of something bigger. You know? yeah. yeah. And and we always say as volunteers of Lifeline, once you, once you come to Lifeline, life will never be the same as a volunteer because yeah. what you learn about yourself and the, the wider world around you. And then... To answer the other part of the question, call Lifeline. Sometimes we don't realise that we're having a crisis. Yes. And it may, those mini or major crises, they may be ongoing and you didn't realise that just picking up the phone and knowing that you could talk it out Mm. and we really care. No one turns up on a Friday night for four hours because they don't care. Yeah, no, no, exactly. People really, really Mm. care. Mm. And it's nice that someone cares. Yeah, that's, and so that's great advice. And the number is uh, 13, 11, 14. And so just take a note of that because you just never know when you might need it. Stick it on your fridge. Put it in your phone. You just never know when life can throw a curveball at you and you need to ring that number. So um, for people who do who think about volunteering, how much time does it take up? How much does time does the training take, for example? I'm fairly confident to say that the training was six weeks and it was a couple of nights a week, so maybe three hours each session a week. Mm -hmm. I chose to do the condensed version of the weekend sessions, so I think that took it a bit longer actually. Um, So you need to be able to commit to that. The team at Lifeline Office Mid-Coast, they are wonderfully versed and experienced in helping you know whether or not this is for you. Okay. Without just saying, no, I'm sorry, you don't tick the boxes. The amount of different people that we have there (laughs) is just really funny when we all get together. Um, And secondly, as an ongoing, so once you're on, four hours a fortnight. Oh, okay. Four hours a week. That's not a big commitment really. Not really. No. Because you get to go to the same place. You're undercover, you know, it's just, you're in an office. Yeah. You've yeah. got all the things that you need. Yes. Heating, bickies, lollies. Oh, perfect. <laughs> <laughs> this has been so good. We are talking with uh, with uh, Christy Hawkins, who's a volunteer at Lifeline. Thank you very much for your time. It's been really great having the conversation. And thanks for sharing what Lifeline is and what it does and so forth. And we certainly encourage anybody who's listening, if you feel a bit of a tug on your heart that there's something you get involved with, you know, reach out to Lifeline and sign up as a volunteer. Thank you so much. Thanks, Des. You have been listening to the podcast of Delving with Des. 